This is episode number 54 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jessie Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey friends, welcome on to another episode of To Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell. And Anita Lambert. And today I'm going to actually share about uh, Jack, who is my second baby, um, that he arrived December 1st, uh, 2018. And I've had had people ask if I could share about the uh, our birth story and I would be happy to on the podcast. So Oh my gosh, I can't wait. <laughs> I know details, but yeah. I love birth stories of all shapes and varieties. So give yeah. us all the details. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting actually. A friend of mine since giving birth, she actually it would be good to do an episode about this too. She said I kind of prepared for this birth like uh, I was preparing like an athlete um basically for a competition or for a marathon and it did feel that way and I did that with both babies um and I feel there was a lot of positive sides to doing that and it definitely didn't guarantee uh that birth was going to go as I had hoped um Jack's birth did go pretty much exactly how I had hoped but just for people listening to know there's no guarantee and birth can always take its twists and turns um with that so um, so with Jack, so as um, if you've been listening for a bit, you know that I was planning a home birth with him um, and I also had a home birth with my daughter, Pippa, who just turned three this week. Um, and so kind of leading up to his birth, um, I was past due, past his due date, which I was with Pippa and I was expecting to. Um, I've done some posts about this uh with Jack, I actually didn't share his due date with um, with anyone really other than like our birth team who needed to know. Um, and I thought it was great because I assumed I was going to go past due. And so that saved the texts and messages of your past due. Or are they going to be talking about induction and, you know, going down the line with that? So um, so I was past due. And earlier that week, though, um, I was fine with my midwives just checking to see where where I was, knowing that that doesn't always give you a lot of information, but we just wanted to see at that point. Um, and so earlier in the week, I was not dilated at all. And they said it was about 50% efface, which means that the cervix was starting to thin. Um, and why I mention that is because I think a lot of times... I know a lot of expecting moms get really frustrated when you get cervical checks during those last few weeks. And if nothing is happening, you assume that birth is pretty far away. Um, but this was just a few days before I gave birth. Um, and I had done some acupuncture that week and kept up with lots of release work, kept exercising, kind of the usual I'd been doing, you know, a few weeks before that. Um, and so 
also leading up to it, my toddler had been like Pippa has been a pretty good sleeper as a toddler. As a baby, she was up quite a bit, but as a toddler, she's uh, you know slept quite a bit through the night. But I find it interesting that they kind of know. Like I felt like she knew he was coming because the couple weeks before that, she a couple days a week she'd be up at night and she'd want in our bed. Um, and anyone who slept with a toddler knows they take up a lot of space. So. I would end up with my pregnant belly on the edge of the bed, almost falling off any night she was in there. And so this particular night, the same thing happened. Um, And so it was about 11 p.m. and I woke up and I was barely on the bed. So I went to, we have a a guest room office um, space. So I went there to to sleep a bit more and then woke up at about two o'clock and I was having the familiar feeling kind of like when I started with Pippa where it was like really mild menstrual cramps and I hadn't really had Braxton Hicks with either of them Um, but I was like this could be something or this could be absolutely nothing and so tried to go back to sleep but that was not happening and so I was just kind of lying there and being like all right if this is labor because it was going on for a while I was like if this is labor then I might as well just, you know, get up, start moving, um, even though I tried to rest. And everyone will tell you, every care provider will tell you to try to rest. And it was the same with Pippa. Her labor started like mild cramping, probably about 6 p.m. And I didn't end up sleeping that night. I just couldn't. I mean, part of it's excitement, but part of it is I just couldn't go to sleep. So uh, I was up by the time I got out of bed, it was probably about 3 And I figured I'll have a shower, I'll wash my hair, uh, knowing I'm not sure if this was labor, I'm not sure when I'd get a chance to actually do that again, wash my hair. So I'm up in the washroom, washing my hair, drying my hair. My husband walked in the bathroom, probably it was about 3.30 and he was like, like, what are you doing? (laughs) I was like drying my hair in the bathroom, listening to podcasts, by the way, um, I was listening to a few of my favorite kind of birth podcasts and I was like, I'm fine. Some mild cramping. It's probably nothing, but I can't sleep. And he's like, okay. So I told him to go back to bed, which was actually similar to Pippa's um, labor as well. Like I, I knew if it was going to be long that he would need his energy too. And if I couldn't sleep and he could, I was like, just go back to bed. So he did. So I decided to not time the contractions, but I was just aware that they were pretty close together. But because they were like that with Pippa, um, when labor started kind of at 6 p.m. and I gave birth to her the following evening. So I decided not time them, but just be aware that they've been going on for a while. So it was about four, I think it's about four o'clock, I called my doula. Um, who happens to also be a physiotherapist. Um, she's a pelvic physio and ortho physio, but she lives in Barrie. So she's a couple hours away from where we live. Um, so she was also very adamant. She's like, don't worry about calling me early. And if it ends up being false labor, it's not a big deal. She's like, I'd rather get there um, and have to go home if it's nothing um, versus it being too late. So I called her at that point. Um, and, uh, and so she said she would be on her way. And so it would take her a few hours to get here. 
Um, it was also December 1st, so we did have snow, knowing it would take a little bit of time. So let her know. And then, uh, yeah, just kept getting ready <laughs> in the washroom. Um, and then went downstairs. And I was just kind of, my big thing for both labors was swaying. So kind of leaning against the wall and swaying my hips. It's just what my body always wanted to do. Um, so that continued. So I came downstairs. I tried sitting on the birth ball, but, or even lying down on my side and seeing if I could get some rest, but my body just was not happy with any of those positions. So kind of do the swaying thing, still listening to podcasts. Um, and then I think it was about six o'clock. Um, Andy, I actually woke him up <laughs> and it was the same thing with the body. I told him at that point, I was just like, I need some support at this point. Like, I don't want to do this by myself at, uh, anymore basically um so he ended up getting up and then we were also deciding at that point because things seemed to be getting a bit more intense still could talk through everything but I did need to stop for uh when I was having surges so we were making a decision about our daughter what we wanted to do um and we had set up that my mother-in-law would come and get her and they would have a sleepover at her house um so he did end up letting her know but he didn't want to kind of concern her so he just said we think labor's starting if you can come and it's about a 45 minute drive um and he didn't want her to to rush on the roads either um so she was on her way Pippa ended up waking up and uh and I was still kind of swaying through things I don't think she knew I was pretty sure she didn't know it was in labor, um, was she but she knew I would have to kind of. Oh, I was going to say, was she trying to like talk to you like normal? Did she want your attention? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. And at that point, I could, like I could, but I would. Yeah, I would have to stop. Um, but as time went on, I would have to stop and like I would start to vocalize and have to kind of, yeah, like moan and let out kind of yeah sound basically during a contraction and I could tell she was just kind of like mm, something's <laughs> different with mummy what's happening <laughs> um, to my mummy <laughs> yeah like what's going on and um so it gets to a point and it's I think it's about 6 37 and the other thing too is we hadn't called the midwife at this point um with Pippa it felt like we ended up calling them earlier because again surges seemed really close together so we were like things must be progressing but they weren't super intense um, so we kind of felt like the midwives with Pippa's birth were probably there earlier than they needed to. And I knew how my body worked best was like the least amount of eyes on me. Like I just kind of wanted to do my own thing. And that was something we went over a lot during pregnancy. Um, and the midwives were really, you know, respectful of that. And they were just like, you know what, we can listen to you. We can be in another room. Like, so I felt really good about that happening during labor again as long as medically everything was going well um so it wasn't until was sometime between six and seven we called um the midwife that was on call and we knew it would take a little bit for her to get there she lived out of town plus she had to stop by the clinic to pick up all the supplies to bring to our home um so we let her know and then uh it's yeah getting getting closer seven seven thirty ish um, and I remember things were starting to get more intense and I told Andy, I'm like, 
I am not waiting to get in the birth tub. We had rented a birth tub from the midwives. So it's like, I want you to set it up. Like, I'm not waiting for our doula. I'm not waiting for the midwife. I'm getting in. So he's like, okay. So I actually have pictures of Pippa helping him, which is like really sweet that I have. We have those memories. That's so cool. Um, so he's setting that up. And then I'm trying to, uh, you know, talk to Pippa between surges and knowing that this, like, I knew this was labor. So we would share some hugs and just those moments that I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is, like, I knew this is kind of one of the last times. Oh, gosh. you make me cry. Yeah. Just so, I was going to ask you about your emotions, like, when labor first started and through those first couple hours. Yeah. Did you yeah. feel, what did you feel? It was, so I just, um, I didn't really feel feel emotional at that point it was almost like okay this if this is labor I like know what my body needs to do I know what I need to do and what I need to do is get out of the way um and just let my body do whatever it needed to do and you know I wanted to be upright and moving but and that's what my body did it's this swaying move that it wanted to do with both babies but I just, I had prepared a lot mentally for just getting out of the way and just surrendering to whatever my body wanted to do, because you can prepare and learn about different positions and postures and, um, you know, things during labor that can help. But in the end, I was like, my body's going to gravitate to whatever it wants to do. So at that point, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of motion. It was more of just like, keep going with whatever I can do to almost distract myself because I didn't know how long labor was actually going to be. Um, so yeah, as that, at that point in labor, like I remember like sharing these hugs and stuff and someone had asked me if we had captured any pictures of that. And I captured just pictures of Andy and Pippa setting up the pool, but we didn't have a birth photographer. And I think there's so many amazing benefits to having one. And I would have loved to have one, but I also knew for myself, again, it kind of went back to with Pippa's birth, I knew less eyes on me worked better for my body. So I just felt if I had a photographer, that's another set of eyes that would be around. And whether my body would know or not, I don't know. Um, so we didn't, we, our doula captured some pictures during, uh, during birth, but we didn't have all the, you know, pictures you might see from a photographer. So yeah, so we were kind of sharing those moments. And then I remember at one point getting kind of intense as things were getting more intense and Pippa's just like, mommy. Uh, and I was like, Andy, where is the midwife? Where's her doula? And where is your mom? <laughs> and because I was just like, I knew I couldn't focus on Pippa anymore. And oh, he yeah. could tell that things had progressed pretty fast within that was probably about like a half hour span. Um, and he's like, I called my mom and like, we knew we had called the midwife and I knew it called my doula and they were coming as fast as I know they could. So it's kind of a question that there wasn't really an answer for. They'd get there when they could, but was kind of funny afterwards is we did find out is because Andy hadn't really said too much to his mom, just like, we think Anita's in labor, you know, you should come. When he called to check, she was actually in the Tim Hortons drive-thru. Oh and, uh, and so for those, if, for those not in Canada or don't know it's important it's it's a very common coffee shop here in Canada so she was making that stop and Andy's like yeah you need to get here so anyways she ended up coming uh 
I was in the birth pool at that point, uh, and the doula had just gotten here as well. And so my mother-in-law came in. I got to say bye to Pippa, and so she took Pippa. Um, and we had an overnight bag and everything all ready to go. And they had a fun day planned. So I knew she was going to be taken care of, and it was going to be a great day for her because we also weren't sure how labor was going to go. Um, and it progressed pretty fast and got really intense. So we look back and I'm really glad we had that plan because it wasn't, I needed to focus so much on each surge. I knew Andy needed, I needed his support, but also he was taking care of the tub towels and all these things that there wouldn't have been someone to really focus on Pippa. So I, I don't think it would have been an experience. Um, like it wouldn't have been what I had hoped for if she was going to be there at the just because neither of us could be there for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so my doula arrived, Pippa went off and then I was in the tub on hands and knees, which is also, it's so interesting to see similarities and differences between births. Um, I was on hands and knees, very similar to Pippa in the tub. Um, and my doula was there and all I wanted was like, during a surge was at this particular like spot on my back to and I wasn't having back contractions um so I don't know why my body wanted that but it was just something I needed to have and I remember being in the zone and like if surge came I was like someone rubbed my back like if my doula was like changing towels because they were wet from the water or my husband like I needed someone there and so someone would rush back and rub my back and, and then I'd be fine between surges again. And also, if anyone's hearing any little baby noises, it's because Jack has joined us as well Join for his party. story. Um, so I remember being in the tub. And so how our house is kind of laid up is like, or laid out is our living room and dining room kind of meld together. And then our kitchen is off that. And it's actually fairly close to the front door. So I remember being in the tub and hearing the midwife come in and she just kind of like, you know, let everyone know she was here and she was going to go start setting up her supplies and get in the kitchen. And she had kind of come by the tub and said like, Hey, Anita, I'm here. Um, I can check you as in like a cervical check to see where things are at. And then she went in the kitchen to, to set things up. Um, and I remember turning to my doula and I said, I am not having a check. And so I remember hearing my doula go in the kitchen and telling my midwife, um, she really doesn't want to check right now. And my midwife was like, that's totally fine. That's no problem. Um, and for those who have heard the home birth episode, I meant to mention that. So Caitlin Murray, who's a midwife, um, was one of my midwives on our team. Um, she wasn't actually on call. So she wasn't actually ending, ending up at our birth. Um, which we wish she had, but the midwives who were there were absolutely fantastic. So I thought I would mention that in case you're thinking this is Caitlin, Um, but this was Catherine. Um, And so, yeah, so I was waiting just, you know, hands and knees in the tub going through surges and yeah, they had gotten intense. And I remember talking to Andy after and him looking back at this Jack's birth compared to Pippa's birth, he's like, things just happened way faster he was like, all of a sudden you were at a point that I remember with Pippa, it would be hours, but you were there within like half an hour, 20 minutes and things just kept changing pretty quickly. And also I had my hypnobirthing uh, track basically going the whole time off my phone. Uh, and I remember thinking that was 
interesting too because basically I had my phone it was on a chair right beside me at the birth tub and anywhere I went uh my doula knew like Trish knew to bring it with me because I had to have that with me like it just during pregnancy basically 20 weeks on I listened to it every night going to sleep um my husband just had to put up with it because I said I'm the one giving birth and he knew from last time it's just like whatever he's gonna have to listen to this going to sleep too um so had that going on my phone the whole time and uh and then my midwife when she got kind of settled in and she came and she asked so when like when was the last time you went to the washroom and I had no idea like time at that point um I was like I thought it had been a bit anyways um so she's like why don't you go in our washroom the only one we have is upstairs and the birth tub was downstairs so it was a good idea because it got me to get up and out of the tub. It got me walking. And so basically my doula and my husband were either um, on either side of me um, as we were going and kind of, I would take a few steps and stop, basically have a surge and vocalize. And then when it was done, we would take a few more steps. So there were a number of surges just to get up the stairs at this point. Um, and I still remember being on the stairs and we weren't quite at the top. And I was like, another one, like another one's coming another one's gonna happen and my husband's like do we stop do we go to the top like he just didn't know what to do and I was like just get to the top and then I'll have then uh then we can stop or whatnot um went to the washroom which is a really good idea to do during labor so if you're able to be out of bed and be moving why it can be helpful is a it gets you moving obviously to the washroom sitting on the toilet is great um relaxes your pelvic floor but emptying the bladder is important because if the bladder is full it can take up space um for letting the baby kind of come through the birth canal so it is a great idea i'm glad my midwife did bring that up because i was not thinking about that at that point so went to the washroom and then we did the same you know coming down the stairs a few steps stop having a surge um came back down and then spent some time just standing and swaying in the living room because my midwife was like it, sh it would be good to be in a different position for a bit not back on hands and knees the whole time so we did that um and then i wanted back in the tub so we did and I'm trying to think of kind of what time this was at this point this is probably 8 30 or 9. um and so it was in the tub again, hands and knees, similar, kind of the back rub with surges and the hypnobirthing track. I did listen to some music for a little bit, um, but then for some reason, just my brain and my body just wanted the, the hypnobirthing, which worked well. And then again, the midwife asked after a bit, she's like, Why don't, it's been a little bit, why don't you do that again, go up, go to the washroom and come back down. So we did that. But then when we got back to the living room, I remember having this sensation of I wasn't sure what was gonna like what was going to happen but I just it's something just felt different when we got to the living room and stopped for a surge all of a sudden my waters broke like and it was my doula was like it was like everyone was kind of in shock and it was just like <laughs> I guess describing it as like a massive water balloon breaking um it was yeah a bit of a shock and my midwife was just very calm the whole time she was amazing and she's like well that's great news it means that the uh it means the baby's coming soon and I was like I would like back in the water like right now I got back in the pool and I should mention too so pretty much throughout the entire labor either my doula or Andy my husband was with me you know holding my hand or doing the back rub for each surge 
making sure that, yeah, the hypnobirthing that I could hear that, that track the whole time, um, getting towels, um, just making sure I was comfortable. And my midwife, I would look up once in a while, I noticed she was either in the living room or she was in the kitchen and she was just really listening. After my water broke and I got back in the tub. So how it works here is we have one main midwife who's with you throughout labor. And this is whether you're in the hospital or a birth center at home. Um, and then as you get closer to the pushing phase, they will call the second midwife to come. Uh, who, who the plan is for them to be there when the baby is born. And so one is taking care of the baby. One is taking care of you. Um, so my midwife was like, just, you know, let me know when you start to feel a little pushy. Um, and something we also talked about throughout pregnancy is it was really important to me about spontaneous pushing. So not having coached pushing if that really wasn't needed. Um, so that was talked about quite a bit and how this midwife had put it, which I loved how, how she put it during pregnancy is to not or try not to push until you can't not push. So basically that your body is like the urge to push is so strong. You can't help but go with it. And that's exactly what I was hoping for. And that's exactly what happened. So I remember starting to feel, I was like, yep, feeling pushy. And so, and she could hear me vocalizing during it. Um, it was just this really strong intensity to yeah, push. And my body was just doing it. And I was on hands and knees. I was just letting my body do it. Um, so she ended up calling the other midwife. Um, and it was about four minutes of pushing and Jack was here. So I put, I think I pushed probably about, yeah, about four times. I asked her after how long she's like, yeah, it was four minutes. Cause it was only a few pushes and that was it. Um, and I was trying to think like how to describe it. And yeah, it's just this overwhelming intense to just go with my body to bear down and to, to push him out. So my body just got, I could feel him as he got close to, the opening like I could feel a bit of the ring of fire but it wasn't like it was just something my body just went through but I remember my doula and my midwife both telling me to kind of pant or slow down the breathing so that he wouldn't come out really fast the I remember hearing the second midwife Lisa just come in and it was literally I think it was just before the last push before he came out so she just made it um and uh and I remember them saying, kind of reach down to grab your baby, because with Pippa, I did that. I could feel her, and I ended up lifting her out and onto me, but I couldn't reach him, uh, being on hands and knees in the pool. So my midwife did, and then uh, then I kind of turned over, and they put him, put him on me, and Andy was there. And I just remember being like, oh, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. It was, oh my gosh just so uh, like there are no words I have tears in my eyes too and you're like whole body goosebumps listening to you yeah because you can just like imagine imagine all the steps and just the emotions of what it all felt like in getting to that moment yeah it was yeah it was just incredible and he was there and um we we didn't know if he was going to be a girl or a boy and uh, similar to Pippa, I was like, Andy, you can check and let everyone know or whatnot. And I guess he had a, Jack had a really, to me, it felt like a really short cord. Because when they lifted, when I was kind of laying in the tub, kind of semi-sitting and had him on my chest, like the cord was at its full length with him being there. Um, and 
so I guess as they lift him out my chest, Andy kind of could see. So then they were like, do you know? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, Andy's like, uh, I think it was, <laughs> he's a boy. Um, but someone else should double check just because like, he didn't really, he didn't really see in passing. So they confirmed he was a boy. So we knew his name was going to be Jack. Um, and yeah, it was just, yeah, it was just really peaceful. And I knew also beforehand, we had talked about if he was born in the water, um, you know, what, what the midwives preferred to make sure they could monitor everything properly after and their preference had been for me to be able to get out of the water. Um, and just so they can monitor bleeding properly and that. So we had had the couch set up with plastic and everything on it. And something I should mention too, something that was really important to me was actually, I love Christmas time. I love having the tree. I love having things up. So we ended up getting all that like early. It was like the second or third week of November, which I know a lot of people like that is really early, but I knew for labor, I wanted to have the tree up and all that um, to be able to see while I was laboring, which it totally, it worked out that way. And then the other piece I was really hoping for was, yeah, they brought me over to the couch. So Jack and I were lying on the couch and he latched pretty quickly. And we were just lying there, just staring up at the tree with lights on. And this was, it was about 1030 in the morning. Um, so yeah, and it was just super calm. Um, the midwives were doing other checks for me and for him. Um, Andy was getting, dealing with the pool. Uh, and my doula was just making sure I was comfortable getting me food and all that as well. So it was just, to me, it just felt really peaceful and it was really what I had hoped for um, and pictured. And so I just feel really lucky that that, that it all, all played out as I had hoped. Um, and yeah, so we were on the couch for a bit. The midwives do stay at least three hours after to monitor us and bleeding and uh, nursing everything with both of us. So I'm not sure how long we were on the couch for. Um, and then they also check at that point to see if you do need any sutures or stitches. And they said I didn't, um, which was great. And yeah, we just, we hung out. My doula got a couple pictures of that too, which I was, I'm really happy she did. And then, so after that point, after we were okay to get up and move, my doula helped, my doula and midwife helped me go back up the stairs and, uh, and just have a shower to clean off. And then they had our bed. Our bed was all prepared already in case I was laboring on the bed or gave birth on the bed. So um, basically you prepare your bed with plastic sheets and other sheets that you can take off. And then so you have a nice, clean, warm bed afterwards. So that was all, all good to go after that. So we got to just rest in there. Pippa wasn't home yet at that point. Um, but she did come home. What was that? 10.30? So she came home later around four or five. We just wanted, you know, the rest of that day just to chill with the three of us. Um, and, uh, and so that was super exciting when, when she came back and we didn't tell her, we, we told my mother-in-law not to tell her that Jack had been born either. Um, so I do have a little video of her. My husband met them downstairs and he brought her up and said there was a surprise in the bedroom. Um, so I got a video of her coming in the room and she's just like, baby. Um, it was just, it was really, really sweet. Um, yeah. So kind of looking back at it, it, 
so the whole thing ended up being about eight hours um and about yeah four minutes four or five minutes of pushing um and I wasn't sure how long active labor was because the other piece of it was I actually didn't have any cervical checks the entire time um and that was something we actually discussed also during pregnancy a lot about labor I wasn't necessarily expecting not to have any cervical checks but it was something that with Pippa's birth um they were particularly painful and I felt it really took me out of the zone and there's obviously lots of reasons to do cervical checks um and so my midwives knew that it would be something that you know if they recommended it there were definitely there would be certain reasons why they would need to do it but also I knew that if I didn't feel I wanted it I had I could you know refuse those in terms of informed refusal um so it was interesting after talking to my midwife about it I then I realized I didn't have any cervical checks um because there was no point during the labor that I felt like I really could like things were at an intensity that I just couldn't even picture having a cervical exam like exam like I was just going with my body um and my mid and my doula noticed that too um so I thought that was really interesting and my midwife said she listening to my vocalizations and just seeing what my body was doing throughout she said she basically knew where I was throughout and she was also timing between surges and that so it turned out my active labor was about two hours and 45 minutes so it was fairly short um and then yeah pushing being four or five minutes and forgot to include before about placenta um so that is something again they wanted to obviously monitor make sure that came out properly so while we were on the couch um i had a bit of time with pippa it came out uh less than 10 minutes after she was born um but we had got to the 10 minute mark and the placenta wasn't out yet so my midwife asked if i could stand and and i had some help with standing up um and just the sheer a bit of standing and using gravity and the placenta came out pretty pretty quickly and easily um so yeah so that happened while I was downstairs um but yeah so it was kind of looking back it's been really interesting even over the weeks just kind of continuing to like think about it and just I was I did um prepare quite a bit for it and even visualization which I know everyone has their opinion on visualization um and we had a uh guest on Alexia Leachman for Feel Free Birth and she talks about visualization as well and how she looked at it as like not necessarily visualizing you know every detail of labor of what you're you're hoping will happen but kind of the bigger picture of things and even kind of the time of it so the pretty much like eight hours um, of labor and five minutes of pushing was actually fairly close to what I had visualized or you know had had I guess prepared um which I thought was pretty pretty neat how that all happened yeah I think we should totally do a whole episode on more specifics on how you prepared I think that is so interesting yeah it's crazy I was trying to think I think I visualized like 10 hours of labor and like 10 minutes of pushing and it wasn't that far off from that. Mm-hmm. um so yeah cool Okay, couple questions. Yeah. Did you ever have any moments during that where you thought, I cannot do this anymore? 
No. So that was also interesting looking both. I remember Pippa's labor and Jack's labor. It, it never entered my mind. I remember this with Jack's labor. There was one point that I ended up repeating. I can. And I remember my doula leaning in just to check what I was saying that I wasn't saying I can't because it is something important for people around you to notice if you're, um, you don't want to be suffering in labor and that sometimes people, um, from the outside laboring can seem to totally be, um, in the zone and being able to handle it. But then you'll hear some vocalizations that you can tell internally they're actually suffering. Um, I didn't experience that, but I just thought I would bring that up because I definitely heard that happening. Um, but yeah, no, there was a point where I was just, I think it was nearing the end. I was saying I can, and because surges were getting so on top of each other and it was so intense. Um, I remember looking up my doula and be like, I just want a break. And she's like, I know you do. (laughs) She's like, but like basically the baby's going to be here soon. So yeah, there was no point that I felt like I was ready to like, um, yeah, that I couldn't handle it. Like I just really felt like I was out of the way of my body and just the other thing was keeping each surge. So being in the present moment. And I remember earlier. So when my doula got here, I don't think it was soon after that because I could still between surges kind of talk and, um, and just hear everyone and, and be in conversations. I remember telling her, I'm like, I just need, I may need you to, to remind me to be present and just focus on each surge that my brain doesn't let me go ahead. Cause I know that can happen. Um, so yeah. So to answer your question, I would say no, like it just, I, I, I didn't doubt myself through it. So powerful. And would you have described your sensations as painful or use different words? Yeah, I remember we were talking about, um, you were talking about Steele's birth before and talking about Pippa's birth previously. I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the term painful. I would say there was definitely an intensity and the intensity increased much faster with Jack's labor than Pippa's was longer than Jack's. So that I think there were different things of her possibly maybe getting into a better position, which is well, why things maybe weren't as intense earlier on. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I would use the word intensity. I, I wouldn't actually say I didn't feel pain, um, during the, the labor or when he was being born. So you had no tearing with this birth. Yeah. They described like the perineum was intact. They said there was a bit of a graze, um, but nothing, nothing that needed stitching or anything like that. Um, and both midwives checked that. So that seemed to all be good, but I did know that regardless of that, whether I had stitches or not, and I have no problem with stitches. Um, with Pippa, I remember they said there was a uh, kind of a small tear and they could leave it or not. And I said, if you can put a stitch in it, put a stitch in it. So I just want people to know, like, and as public physios, like, it's it's not that we think no stitches is better. Um, it's just whatever whatever needs to be done to help your pelvic floor heal after is what is best. Um so yeah, so there was no stitches needed, but I did know still like there was going to be fatigue in the pelvic floor and like just having given birth, I'm not going to be wanting to be on my feet all day. Um, that kind of thing. So I knew to definitely give my body still time to rest um, and heal afterwards. 
Jack's trying to get on the mic. Yeah. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about what that first week postpartum looked like for you? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So the first week, so I definitely, um, wanted to rest even more than I did with Pippa, even if I felt great. Um, which I, I did feel good after Jack as well. Um, but yeah, basically we had kind of created like a hibernating space upstairs. So like our bedroom, um, Jack and I pretty much stayed there other than like getting up to go to the washroom. Um, I think I came downstairs like once or twice that week, but basically stayed upstairs the whole time. I totally understand it did. It's really helpful. My husband was able to take vacation time from work so he could help not only with our toddler, but help make food and just really, he was so, so supportive. He was with Pippa as well. Um, but it was definitely different this time having a toddler and having a newborn. Um, so yeah, that first week looked like staying in bed as much as possible, resting a ton, sleeping when possible, um, establishing, making sure nursing kept going well. Our midwives, um, between our teams, someone came and checked us uh, day one, day three, day five, and day seven. Um, so they come to your house and um, <laughs> they uh, they would check me and also make sure like the uterus was, you know, my uterus was contracting properly to um, shrink down, um, taking um, his vitals, weighing him, making sure he was thriving. So, yeah. And we also, similar to Pippa, we had let people know ahead of time. And I think they probably knew cause we did it with her was we weren't going to really have visitors that first week. Um, so, and that's pretty much what happened. We did like my mother-in-law dropped Pip off that day that he was born. So she came up for a minute, but it wasn't really a visit. And my parents dropped some stuff off later in that week and came and said, hi, but again, it wasn't, we weren't really having any real visits until after that first week. I uh, love so many things about this. The boundaries you set, I love that. Like you truly did what was best for your health, your physical and mental health during that time period. And that is so important for people to hear. And I just love hearing too about all the conversations you had with your midwives and doulas about your needs during labor and birth and what would be best for you if the health of mom and baby looked good elsewhere. Like you really took the time to tune into what you needed and then you had the the strength to tell them that too. And that can be difficult to do, but obviously so important. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I, I meant to bring that up too. And it's something my doula also commented after is my, uh, my midwife, like Catherine, who's there during birth, like she was just so calm but so present and so respectful of what not just my preferences because yes you can have preferences going into birth but again knowing birth can take its you know turns and I think it would be good to have uh, an episode just on how I prepared because we did go over my birth preferences we went over you know if I was transferred to the hospital what would that look like what would be the reasons for it um, and I had a plan if we were transferred. Um, and we actually spent a lot of time during pregnancy talking, talking about those what ifs, like what if it doesn't go, what if it doesn't work at home and all of that. So we kind of 
had good plans for all of the, you know, A, B, C, D, and E of how birth could go. Um, and while it's not always, you know, what you want to talk about, um, if birth doesn't go as planned, but I think preparing that way then also gave my mind and my body confidence of like, if it doesn't go this way, we've already gone over all the other options. It's going to be okay. Um, and just the consent, like she was just very, there were different things throughout labor, not just the cervical checks, but other things, um, throughout labor. And my midwife would be really calm and she would just be in my ear and saying, you know, you had mentioned, uh, you preferred not to have this or to have this, um, happening. Is that still what you want? Um, and just asking consent for everything along the way. And there wasn't a ton of things to, to be talking about, but, um, those things that did come up and it was just in a very calm, professional and respectful way. And my doula took note of that too. And she's like, my midwife would be someone like, she's like, I would want her at my birth. And, and that's, that's what you want at birth is just, you can still ask for consent and be um, just, yeah, be really respectful of it and respect if the birthing person decides they do or they don't want something or they've changed their mind or I've changed my mind from five minutes ago. Um, she was just always checking, checking things and never doing like doing without asking basically. That's so beautiful. Mm hmm. Um, just for those listening, I definitely found it helpful to have a doula both times. And with Pippa's birth, my natural path was actually a doula as well. Um, Dr. Mariska Taylor, who's been on the podcast before. Um, and this time I had Trish Burnell, who's a pelvic and orthopedic physiotherapist. So, and also a doula. So having their support, I found super helpful and I know my husband found very helpful as well. And again, they're for physical and emotional support, um, which yeah, was definitely super helpful for both of us. And if you're wondering more about um, doulas and the benefits and exactly what the difference between a doula and let's say your midwife or nurse or doctor is, you can check out episode 24 where we talked with Babel Mia um, about more specifics with that. So, um, yeah, so my doulas, they're not checking anything medically with me. Um, but I've mentioned that my midwife, she, she was really great with just letting me do my thing, but just to note, she definitely was checking all of the medical necessities, um, that you would have in a hospital as well. It just looks a little bit different at home. So she was checking all the same vitals that your nurse would in the hospital, or if you have a midwife in the hospital. So, you know, checking my temperature, also checking to make sure baby's heart rate was great, um, which they use, you call the handheld Doppler. And it's really neat because even though I was in the water quite a bit, she could actually check using the Doppler while I was in the water and could still hear Jack's heartbeat and everything, which was, which was pretty cool to see. Um, and also all the equipment. I don't feel like I've explained all the equipment they bring. They bring quite a bit to your house. So everything from oxygen, um, for me and baby, if either of us needed it afterwards, um, if they did need to suture, they have all their suture supplies. Um, with G if you're GBS positive, they bring antibiotics and IVs. Like there's just so many things they bring to your home. Um, and 
to go through kind of list of that, um, if you want to check out, so one of my midwives, Caitlin Murray, she was on the podcast on episode 30 and she went through, um, all the different things that, uh, midwives, at least here in Ontario, um, bring to your home. Um, it's a really, really great resource. So I just wanted to say, yeah, thank you for letting me share my birth story. It was really awesome to actually say it all out loud and go through it and just kind of relive it, which was really neat. Um, and just to say too, I totally know like home birth is not ideal for everyone. And even my birth, while I feel it was ideal for me, it's not necessarily ideal for you or for anyone listening. So more the purpose of this episode was just to encourage you look into all types of birth look into different care providers, different birth place options. Maybe you had considered a home birth, maybe you haven't, uh, maybe you already know for sure hospital is where you wanna be. And both Jess and I feel like you want to birth in an environment that you feel safe and supported. Um, and home may not be that for you. Um, so just figuring out where you feel is best uh, for you and baby is really, really gonna help your experience um, throughout the whole birth journey. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you. Thanks for, yeah, it's been great to kind of be able to kind of talk through it. Um, and yeah, and just being really grateful for what my body did, what Jack did, because I always, you know, I always talk about birth as in like, yes, it's our body doing it however birth unfolds, but also there's a little baby or multiple babies who are also doing a lot of work. Um, so I'm thankful for him that he just, he did what he wanted to do and what, how he felt he needed to do it. And it, it worked out great for both of us. So on the next episode of two birth and beyond, we have a quick little bonus episode for you talking about our one year anniversary of two birth and beyond. So the podcast is now officially one year old and we are telling you where we're going in 2019 with the podcast and reflecting on where we come from in 2018. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 